Okay, we're in John chapter 12. Let's pray. Father, as we look at your word, we pray, pray that it's a glorious word. Lord, heaven and earth we found out are going to pass away. Your word's not going to pass away. It's all we need to live the lives that you've called us to live. It's our daily bread. It's really our food. It's what, it, what causes us to grow. Bless to that end, Lord, that we would grow. Uh, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 12. It's the same story as Mark 14, but John supplies a couple of factoids that aren't in Mark that I think will be helpful, and I think like we'll refer to them. So I'm going to give you the story as it's given to us in the book of John. John wrote last. He probably wrote 80, 90-ish. He names the woman who poured the spikenard on Jesus, and Mark doesn't. So I, I think there's, like I say, a few things here that I think are going to be helpful in our understanding. Okay, give your attention to the reading of God's Word, John chapter 12, verse 1. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. In Mark, she pours it on his head. Here, she pours it on his feet. You say, well, which is it? Well, both, of course. Just because you mention one fact doesn't exclude the other fact. And then we go on to find out our, our favorite disciple, you can say boo when I say his name. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Remember he's Simon's son, okay? That's just a little fact. Store it in the back of your mind. We'll bring it out later on. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he, he was a thief and he had the bag and bare what was put therein. And Jesus said, let her alone. For the day of my bearing has she kept this. For the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. Now, um, we got Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. And if you read these, you might think it's at their house. No, it's at the house of Simon, the leper. And we'll see that when we read Mark. Um, but, I, but it's interesting, we got uh, Lazarus. They, verse 2, they made him a supper, and Martha served. And we know Martha's, they love to serve. And here Martha's serving the Savior. I hope you love to serve. hope you're Martha at heart. You just love to wait on Jesus' hand and foot. And I hope you're not complaining. I think she's cured from that. We saw earlier, and we didn't see it in the Gospel of Mark, but earlier, you remember the story, you know, Martha's going about like Martha's do and making sure everything's ready and uh, all things are prepared. And Mary's like, she's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Mary and Jesus' feet are always interlocked scripturally. I think it's a very interesting thing. So she's sitting at the, sitting at the feet of Jesus and she's listening with rapt attention to every word that proceeds from the mouth of her blessed Savior. And Martha's all... Like Martha's get, frustrated. Hey, don't you care that Mary's just kind of, I'm doing everything here, and, and she's just kind of hanging out doing nothing. 
And Jesus mildly rebukes her, saying, no, Mary's chosen the better part. Dinner schmenner, we, uh, that's nice, that's good. But the, the real important thing here is what Mary's doing, sitting at my feet, learning. It, she's chosen the better part. It won't be taken from her. I think this is all out of Martha's personality at this time. She's a server. She's a servant. She's a deaconess. She's waiting on Jesus' hand and foot and loves it so and loves to be there. Lazarus, and by the way, I hope that that's one of the relationships we have with Jesus Christ. We serve him. Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. What's that? Fellowship. <laughs> Breaking bread together. I just got to imagine, like, hey, Jesus, pass the rolls, will you? And Jesus passes the rolls to Lazarus, and they're just like eating together and just enjoying each other's company. And I hope you fellowship with the Savior. It's so important. It's so, it's so, listen, it's not a have to. I ain't gonna, I'm not bringing out a whip and whipping anybody. It's a get to. You get to hang out with the sovereign of the universe. How cool is that? That's beyond description. I can't even, okay, I'm just going to keep moving. Because I can't, I can't describe it. But if you know what I'm talking about, I don't need to describe it. Uh, and then we have Mary. Mary, the worshiper. And I think those are our three major ways we react with Jesus. In service, in fellowship, and in worship. What's the most important one? Well, if you ask me, worship. I read a book one time. It was called Worship, uh, the Ultimate Priority. The Ultimate Priority. If you get hold of that book on Amazon or something like that, I don't even know if it's in print or anything. I got a copy kicking around somewhere. If you ask me for it, it'll take me days to find it, but maybe I, I could. But if you, that, that book was very helpful in my growth into being a worshiper. And I really think I've got worship down perfectly. Now, you never get anything perfectly, but I think I've got it down. I think I understand some things about worship. Well, Mary, she's a worshiper by her very nature. Mary took a pound of ointment of spike, not very costly, anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Let's go back to Mark. Chapter 14, after two days was the feast of the Passover of unleavened bread. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by craft and put him to death. There's a reason I don't want you to be religious. <laughs> religious people, okay, enough said, Fred. I, I didn't want to finish the statement, but you know. But they said not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. When did he die? On the feast day. Are they driving? No. Is God sovereign? Yeah. Yeah. The Passover lamb has to be sacrificed on the Passover. This, it's all spelled out. Uh, he'd be buried. The, the, the bread of life would be buried on the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Uh, the first fruits of them that slept, Jesus Christ, would rise from the dead on the Feast of First Fruits. Jesus is driving. He's, God's in charge of what's going on. We think, and we have some sovereignty in our lives. We're made in God's image. God is the sovereign. We have some choice, but ultimately, you know, God is the final word. 
So you can plot, you can plan, you can make your little... We're not going to... We're going to kill them, but we're not going to kill them on the feast. We don't want there to be an uproar. And being in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper. Now some people think Simon is Judas' father. Because we already found out he's Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Is it that Simon? I, I don't know. It's a common name. Peter, the disciple's name, Simon. Uh, it means hearing. Uh, Shimon, you remember the Prime Minister Shimon Perez? Simon, right? We, it, we Americanized it and call it Simon. Shimon is the name. Well, he's, and, and by the way, what can, is, he, is he Judas's dad? I don't know. Some say he's the father, it's his house, he's the father of Lazarus and Mary and Moth. Is that true? I, I don't know. Is he the leper who was cleansed by Jesus who came back and returned and gave him thanks? I don't know. One of the first miracles recorded, especially in the Gospel of Mark, I think it's the second miracle recorded, was Jesus' deliverance of a cleansing of a leper. Was it that one? The one thing I think without any fear of somebody contradicting is he's an ex-leper. <laughs> he's Simon the leper, but if he's actively, like, you know, has leprosy, people aren't going to his house for dinner. I, I, I think we can all agree on that. So who is he? Don't know. Uh, and I guess it's one of those things, it's, you know, you can make your own, have your own guesses. It's not a homework question, because I gave you all the possibilities, and there's probably more besides. You can read some commentary, but you know that what? You've got to know this. They're guessing like everybody else is guessing like I'm guessing. But he's... Uh, He's in the house of Simon the leper. Simon the ex-leper owns his house. And uh, whether he's um, uh, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha's dad or not, we, we can't say with any certainty, but he knows them. They all live in Bethany, and he has them over for dinner if they're not his children. I, I don't know. He's in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper. As he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster, uh, alabaster box of ointment of spikenard. Very precious, very precious. She break the box and poured it on his head. Now, I think here it says it's $132. That's just wrong because it says it's 300 pence. 300, you might have a, a something that says 300 denarius. It's 300 days wage. You don't work. I don't work. Generally, we don't work 300 days a year. That's a six-day work week. Uh, the Jews don't even work 300 days a year. You think about 365, it was say 360 Jewish calendar, right? It's fi still 52 weeks-ish, uh, right? Not exact weeks. So if you work like, you know, that's six-day work weeks, but you don't take time off for any of the feasts. So it's, if you just do quick math, it's about a, a year's wage. A year's wage? Well, I don't even know what the average... What people make in America, 50,000, 60,000, 70. Probably, you know, in California, it's like 83,000. And people have a job, it's probably even more. Uh, but uh, here in Maine, it's probably less. I, I, I don't know. Um, you know, because our standard of living here isn't quite as much as it is in other places. Uh, I don't know what it is. But think about a year's wage. Think about how much you make in a year. In one act of worship, pouring it all on the Savior. That's pretty, <laughs> what's the word I'm looking for? That's a, that's a big gift. That's pretty extravagant. 
Listen, I think worship is extravagant. This is an act of worship. There's no getting around it. Uh, is, this what she, is this what she was like, um, this is in her like, uh, what's, the, what's the box you got when you collect stuff before you get married? Hope chest. Yeah. Is this in her hope chest? Is this what she's saving for like her, her honeymoon or something like that? I, I don't know. What you got? This, is, this is untold wealth. This is, this is crazy worship. This is way out there. And she's called on it. There was some that had indignation upon himself. We find them in the other Gospels. It's Judas. Why was this waste? <laughs> Funny to me. Judas, one of his titles is the son of perdition. What does the son of perdition mean? It means the son of waste. <laughs> the guy whose whole life was a waste calls her and he says, this was wasteful. And John records, oh, we could have uh, sold this for a year's wage and given it to the poor. And John says, it wasn't because he cared about the poor. It's because he had the money. He had the money bag and he'd steal what was out of it routinely. Some people don't get worship. Some people don't get worship. They just don't, don't get it. They don't understand it. Probably all of us go through that phase. I've heard people like, what is this with the hand waving? What is this all that about? What do we sing songs for anyway? And, what? and some of you just don't. I don't know how to get you from point A to point B. I, I don't know. Um, I don't think we get in there. When we get saved, I don't think we're like automatically worshipers of the living God. Remember I said before, I'm just talking to my own, somebody was saying, you know, oh, it doesn't matter, just so long as you love the Lord. And I, and I kept thinking, I don't think I love the Lord. I mean, I'm glad he saved me, but I don't really know that I love him. I say, well, Adam, you're icky. <laughs> that's, that's a horrible thing not to love the Lord. I grew into it. I think I love the Lord now. I think I love him my whole heart, mind, soul, and strength perfectly. No, I think there's plenty of room for growth. But I don't think, it's any, I don't think anyone's going to, oh, you don't love the Lord. You don't know what you're talking about. No, and I think I really do. Uh, um, but I think you, to know him is to love him. I think you grow into that. I think you grow into service with him. I think you grow in fellowship with him. I think you grow in worship of him. I don't think you come in that way. I mean, like at first, listen, I'm not going to hell. Whew, great. Thank you, Lord, for fire insurance. Appreciate it. And then, you know, you learn things. You learn. And I think as we learn about him, then the love comes. Then the service comes. The fellowship comes. The worship comes. I don't know if it goes in that order. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, but I think the ultimate priority in our life is worship, and I think if we're missing that, I just let me challenge you. Listen, listen, listen. I don't want to guilt you. I, I, I never do. It doesn't work. You don't guilt you in a... The one who loves you, your pastor, with the pastor's heart, uh, worship is the ultimate. It's just, I don't know. Uh, we, we've talked about it in the past, uh, you know, um, it's one of these things you just have to experience to experience I can explain it in a million years and I know this I draw closest to God I'm closest to God in my life in worship God inhabits 
the praises of Israel. Say, we're not Israel. We're ruled by God, which I think is what Israel means. And yeah, we are very Israelish when we worship. It's a big, it's a big, big deal. Uh, do you feel condemned? Because I'm not, I'm just inviting you. I'm not trying to rain on anybody's parade here or anything like that. There were some that had indignation. Why was the waste of this ointment made? Again, if you're not a worship person, your spokesman is Judas, and for no other reason you ought to get out of that camp, okay? It might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor, and they murmured against her. Does it sound like a little bit of an extravagance? To, I mean, in your heart of hearts, is that, ew, that's a lot. It's poured out. We're not going to collect it again and reuse it. It's, it's spent. That was a lot of money. In your heart of hearts, and I think it is one of the homework questions, you know, what do you think about this? Would you have done that? Is this a, too much? She just said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. Oh, poor? You have to poor always. And whenever, whensoever, and by the way, not in America. We're just going to take care of them. We're just going to make it so that nobody's ever poor again. A war on poverty, has it worked? No. We can get a participation trophy as a country. We, we tried hard, but it's... And, but Jesus told us that. You have the poor always. You can do them a good turn anytime you want. And by the way, you should. It's, you know, God says he uh, gives to the poor, loans to me. Well, you loan to God, he'll repay. Now, be careful. Some people are scamming you. That being said, you giving to the poor, is a, it's, a, it's a godly and a good thing. You have the poor with you always. When, whensoever you will... You may do them good, but me you have not always. She hath done what she could. Now that'll preach. I can't do everything, Adam. That doesn't mean you can't do anything. She can't do everything. Is she going to be the Acts chapter 2 speaker when the Holy Ghost falls? No, that's given to Peter. But Peter's not anointing Jesus with precious spike nard. She did what she could. I think that's, Lord, what do, you, what do you have for me? What do you want me to do? What can I do? Uh, people come to me sometimes, they want like an assignment. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, mean I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not the Lord of your life. Sometimes I think this needs to be done. This person can do it. And sometimes I'm led to ask people, You should be asking the Lord. And it may, you, what you can do for him may or may not be done within these four walls. I think for most of us it won't be. My ministry's kind of here, but it's not exclusively here. Do what you can. She did what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the bearing. Oh, I love this. I love this so much. She gets it. They're like, you know, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be turned over to the, 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 the chief priests, the Pharisees, the scribes. I'm going to be turned over to the Gentiles. Uh, the Son of Man is going to be crucified. I'm going to rise from the dead. And they're all like, yeah, well, who's going to be the greatest in your kingdom? And they're arguing over it and stuff. I guess Mary totally gets it. You're going to be what? You're going to be crucified. Well, you know, somebody's got to anoint his body for burial. It's an important thing. 
in their culture and their thinking and their theology and their philosophy. Wow. <laughs> she just leapfrogged over all the disciples theologically. Does she know she's doing that? I believe she is. It's not going to be very much. It's going to be within 24 hours Jesus is hanging on the cross from this point, I think. No, it's two days before the Passover. Yeah, okay, it's 48 hours-ish. I don't know. Well, that aroma from that very costly spike nard still be in his hair on his feet when he's hanging on the cross? I think so. I think it's going to bless him. Just a thought. She's anointing my body to the bearing. Verily I say unto you, whistle this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world. This also that she has done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. What a memorial. Jesus the prophet, he prophesying, and now it's come true right here this morning. Isn't that an incredible thing? I mean, I mean that sincerely. I mean, every time we talk about the gospel, <laughs> this, this, this story comes up. Oh, what devotion, what a heart, what a... Is this, and then someone will say, well, it's kind of a cheapskate. What do you mean? Turn to Romans chapter 12. You given a year's wage, I think that would be a good thing, but I'm not asked after that. I'm after, in my thinking, way, 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 way more than that. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I think this is what God wants to do. No, she's not really a cheapskate. She gave an incredible gift incredible extravagant act of worship this is what i think god wants your worship to look like my worship to look like chapter 12 verse 1 i beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of god that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto god which is your reasonable service is my phone over there honey can you bring it to me I'm, I'm begging you that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. On the altar of God, you're a sacrifice. You get on the altar, and this is what you present to God. It's only reasonable. It's your reasonable service. And I like that, but that's not what it means. And by the way, it is reasonable, and it is how you serve Him. But that's not what it means, okay? They missed it in King James a little bit, okay? We'll, we'll give them a hall pass. Uh, but this is, uh, I think the English Standard Version has it better. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. You say it's not really much of a change. No. Holy and acceptable God, which is your spiritual worship. Okay? This is how you worship God. Lord, here I am. Mind, soul, body, spirit, all yours. I've talked about this before. You want to keep your life, you'll lose it. You want to lose your life for the gospel, for his sake, oh, you'll find it. Uh, is there any other way? None that I know of. I would tell you if I knew. This is what you do. Uh, I think it's minimalistic. Oh, it's the most you can do, but it's not like optional, not like, uh, I don't know, serve him that much, love him that much. It's the greatest commandment. Love me with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. What does that look like practically? Have warm fuzzies? <laughs> Lord, here I am. Whatever. 
I'm yours. You purchased me with a price. I recognize it. I get it. I understand the transaction. You gave your life for me. Here's my life. Use it however you want. It's a spiritual worship. Way beyond what Mary did. It's significant. It's great. I, I'm not criticizing Mary. Don't, don't come to me later and say, Ooh, I think a little hot on Mary. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Incredible act of worship. Jesus said, leave her alone. I'm leaving her alone. I'm not going to get on her case or anything. I think what she did was wonderful. I think what you do is wonderful. Lord, here I am. Whatever that looks like. I, I'm not qualifying. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not giving you boundaries in which you will operate. You're my loving Heavenly Father. I trust you implicitly. Here's my everything. Ah. Uh, are you a little reticent, a little scared of that? That's Satan talking. That's Satan. I'm, listen, listen. That is so Satan. God will take that and he will use that to his glory and to your great joy. If you're scared, it's because Satan's whisper, oh, you don't want to do that. Oh, it's going to be awful if you say, God, here's my everything. Uh, you know, oh, it's, you're going to be uh, a missionary to a leper colony. That's what you're going to do. That's all there is to it. Hey, Satan, shut up. Just shut up. You always lie. Why should I believe it? He's the father of lies. That's what God is, Paul's begging us, and God's, that's, that's what he wants. And this is what I think Mary's offering speaks of. Let's go back to Mark chapter 14. Good heart. Good, just, it's just a beautiful thing. Verse 10, and Judas Iscariot. Oh my goodness. One of the twelve went to the chief priest to betray him unto them. Now, if you're reading this for the first time, you're like, Huh? He's like one of the twelve. Jesus picked him. One of the homework questions, could Judas have done anything else? It's written about him. Like verse 21, the Son of Man indeed goeth as it is written of him, but woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Good were it for that man if he had never been born. Judas being Judas, he had to play his hand that he was dealt. He couldn't have done anything else. It's a question. We'll talk about it next week when we actually, well, no, next week is Easter Sunday and we're going to be talking about the resurrection. But uh, after that, we'll, next time we pick this up, we'll, we'll, we'll incorporate that. But a question in the interim, what do you think? He went to the chief priest to betray him unto them. Some people would talk about Mary and drag it out in such and such a way that it's beautiful, it's wonderful, and they would end. But I want to compare these two. Is there all the options? I give him my whole heart. I, my, my whole life is about worship to him or it's about betrayal, right? Most of our daily life falls in between those two parameters. Those, they're kind of extremes, right? But I think they're right here because there's a contrast set up and I want to set up the contrast in your thinking. And, and, and what am I saying? You'll worship God, you'll betray him? No, I'm not saying that. Uh, when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought how he might conven 
conveniently betray him. It, the word conveniently, it means an opportunity. It's not, I don't think you conveniently <laughs> betray. But, and so he goes about trying to do this. Now, how much, you guys are smart, and it's not given here, how much do they pay him for the betrayal? 30 pieces of silver. Do you remember the Old Testament, Jude, uh, uh, Joseph was sold in Egypt? How much was that for? 20 pieces of silver. It's obviously a connection. Who is the brother who's in charge of that transaction? Judah. This is Judas, by the way. It's the same. One's kind of a little Greek. One's Hebrew. It's the same name. I mean the same name. It means praise. I don't know that Judas is aptly, aptly. I've have known Judas or Jude. It's the same name. I don't, I've, I don't know. I have, and none of the Calvary Chapel pastors I've known have ever dedicated a Judas <laughs> That's one of the, we don't do that to kids, right? We don't name our kids Jezebel, we don't name them Judas, we don't name them Ahab. We, you know, there's a few names of the Bible, they're kind of bad guys. And we, you know, I, I don't know any Nebuchadnezzars or, you know, who I think turned out to be a good guy after all, but that's a story for another time. Uh, we, don't, we don't name our children Judas. It's really irreprehensible. And it's too bad because, like I say, it's such a good name. Praise. Praise is a good name. Um, what gives here? What's the, what's the motive? Simple greed? I think he realizes this is not going the way he wants it to go. And I'm going to cut bait, take what I can and run, and get something out of the deal. He's really a question. I, I could, if I was a master's degree, if I had a master's degree in theology, which thing I don't want or need or want to have, it would be on Jesus and Judas. It would be on how does somebody get to that place? Now, some would think, well, he's forcing Jesus' hand. He's, he's going to betray him, so Jesus has to do the miracles and has to overthrow Rome and, we, had, we know no such thing. That's, that's wild speculation. What motivates a person? What motivates a person to betray somebody? By the way, betrayal. I'm just going to tell you. It's going to happen. It has happened. If you've been on a terrestrial ball for any great amount of time, it's not optional. It's not optional. It's something that we all go through, especially as Christians. It's on the menu. We go through Storm 101. I think we go through Storm 102. I think we're up to Storm 9017. I, way up there. I don't know. I don't know. It's not, going through Storm isn't optional. Um, betrayal isn't optional. It isn't optional. Our enemies don't betray us. Satan doesn't betray us. You can't betray somebody you can't be betrayed by somebody who hates you or you hate. You can be betrayed by somebody you love, a close friend, a confidant, a family member. 
God forbid, a spouse. That can happen. Will it happen? I'm not saying your spouse is going to go lousy and betray you, but something very close to you. And it's probably already happened. If, you, if, you, if you're as old as me, it's, I guarantee it's happened. If not, it will. Let me tell you what you do. I'm, I'm telling you it will. And I'll, I'll think I'll prove it scripturally here in a second. What do you do in a situation like that? Praise God. You stay close to God. God didn't betray you. Uh, someone in my family was betrayed by a spouse and left God. I'm done with you. Thanks for nothing. That's a bad idea. It's, uh, I'm just telling you. A, that's a bad idea. Now you get two problems. You're betrayed and, and you turn your back on God. What is, what is that? I was betrayed, now I'm going to betray God. God didn't betray you. Never does. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And he doesn't. Ever. What do you do? You cry. You hurt. You get up and go on with the Lord because we have to. Because there's no other option. Adam, why should betrayal happen? Ah, oh, I'm so glad you asked. Let's go to Philippians. I thought I had a marker in there. Apparently I do not. I'll do old-fashioned. I'll just turn the pages. <laughs> Philippians. Oh, I did have a marker in there. <laughs> Silly. Okay, Philippians chapter 3. Verse 10, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. I would like to have resurrection power in the life. Everything I touch that's dead instantly turns, comes to life. This marriage, uh, it's dead. It's dead, it's buried, it's going nowhere fast. Then I come on the scene, I breathe life into this dead marriage. How many would like that opportunity? To, you know, just everything you touch is restored. Uh, uh, people's, their life is over, it's, it's, they're in prison, it's, it's all done, it's they're, they're reaping what they sowed. And you come along and you can breathe life into that situation. How many, how many just, what power resurrected Jesus from the dead? Would you like to have that in your life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, there's a way to get it, and, but there's only one way. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. There's no resurrection outside of death. I think we all know that. Why does he tell us to pick up? his cross and follow him daily death to self you can't have two wills in our life he's a will for our life and we have a will for our life now if we're on the altar of sacrifice his will prevails if we have our own agenda that's we're trying to save our life we're going to end up losing it i'm just telling you what the scripture says but i want that resurrection power in my life how do we get it through the fellowship of his sufferings. One of his sufferings is betrayal. And it's in Scripture. You know, if it was somebody else, I could, have, I could have dealt with it, but it was my own friend, my intimate friend. We went to the house of God together and we worshipped. It was, and you can hear the pathos in, in pro prophetically in the Psalms. You can hear the voice of Jesus He's not, listen, he washed Judas' feet also. He loved Judas also. Judas was at the place of honor at the feast, that is, 
the Last Supper, that it, it's a Passover Seder. He's at that triclidium. They're all on their left elbow, eating with their right hand. He hands Judas the sop. He didn't toss it to him way down the end of the table. He's in a place of honor. I think Jesus, in that last moment, is still trying to reach Judas. Is still trying to turn him. Is still loving him. Is still trying to... And Judas is just, oh, I'm getting 30 pieces of silver and I'm getting out. It's not happening the way I want it. Unspeakable. Judas was doing ministry. He cleansed lepers. He... Uh, Remember the demons are subject to us in your name? He was one of those who was sent out. He saw Jesus walk on the water. He saw him speak the storm into dead silence. It's not like he didn't know who Jesus was. When you get stabbed in the back, ouch, ouch. I hope it never happens, but I know it's going to. It's on the menu. We're sad, we'll cry. Tell me, I'll cry with you. And then we still go on with the Lord. I'm sorry you have to go through this, but it's learning how to be more and more like Jesus. It's one of the things he endured. And it leads to resurrection power. Let's keep going. Uh, I'm just going to read a few verses, comment very quickly. Uh, kind of setting up for verse 17. In the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover, his disciples said to him, Where wilt thou that we go to prepare that thou mayest eat the Passover? So it's a Passover Seder. It's what we call the Last Supper. Where do you want us to do that? He sent, uh, sendeth forth two of his disciples and saith unto them, Go ye into the city, there shall meet you a young man bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him. Well, there'll be thousands of young men bearing what? No, it's a woman's work. Sorry. Sorry, ladies, I'm not meaning to be sexist. In this culture, women carried the water. So this guy's wife is sick, or is he a servant of the, oh, boss, don't make me take that, and won't think I'm a girl, you know. I, I don't know. But it was kind of like something that would really stick out, and they would, oh, there he is. <laughs> wow, that's really weird, but hey, you know. But Jesus knows that there's going to be a donkey tied at the two, where the two ways meet, and they're going to say, hey, what are you doing? Loosen the colt, and you'll tell them this, you'll give them this password. Jesus knows. Uh, you're going to see this guy, uh, and wherever he goes, and wheresoever he shall go in, say to the goodman of the house, the master saith, where is the guest chamber where he shall eat the Passover with my disciples? Why am I telling you this? Well, because when you give your life to Jesus Christ and give all on the altar, by the way, I don't think I read this, and I'm going to do it quickly. Romans chapter 12, verse one is present your body as a living sacrifice. It's, it's, it's how we worship God, okay? It's what's expected. Verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Once having done verse 1, you will know verse 2 experientially in your life. Lord, here's my whole life. Oh, great. Now, let me come over here. i got some stuff for you to do. And he's going to intimate to you his will for your whole life, 10-year plan, 20-year plan? No, but here's the next thing, and here's the next thing, and here's the, that's how he does. And we don't generally know his will 
outside of our willingness to do His will. Um, where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover of my disciples? He will show you a large upper room furnished and prepared. There make ready for us. There's a lamb involved. There's bitter herbs. There's the afikoman. There's the unleavened bread. There's pots that they have to go purchase. They have to get ready. And the disciples went forth, came to the city, and found as he had said unto them. Imagine my surprise. <laughs> and they made ready the Passover. Now we're set up for next time we get together and we're talking about this after... After Resurrection Sunday, we'll, we'll get into the Last Supper, and I think it'll be a real blessing to us. Let's stand, let's pray. And our worshipers, our worship people will come. And I, again, no, I'm not, a, not somebody to guilt anybody into anything. Having said this, and you understand now God's delight in your heart toward him. I want this opportunity to worship him pass. Let's pray. Father, I love your word. I mean, we, we love your word. It's, uh, it's, it's life-changing. I know it really is, and it's good, and it's glorious. Again, I say, the whole world's going to pass away. Is your word going to pass away? Not a jot, not a tittle, nothing, none of it. And uh, we, we, so we love to set our compass by it because we know it's a sure foundation. It's, it's the absolute. It's what we need. Now may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.